You're listening to Sphera Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Sphere Now podcast. I'm James Trani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today I'll be speaking with Colin Keogh, a mechanical engineer and co-founder of Sapien Innovation. He also started the Open Source Ventilator Project, which aims to help healthcare providers get the emergency ventilators they need during a global shortage caused by COVID-19. Thank you so much for joining me today, Colin. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. Can, so can you tell us a little information about you and Sapien Innovation uh, to start off? Sure. So I'm an engineer by training. So I've been an engineer for the last kind of 10, <clears throat> 10 years with a background in mechanical engineering. And I've spent an awful lot of time working in the area of, of like engineering design um, academic research projects and development projects. And then more recently in the area of innovation and innovation methodologies, helping companies and organizations adapt to quickly innovate and create new solutions. Well, it sounds like you're innovating pretty quickly. So tell me about the open source ventilator project and what you hope to accomplish. Sure. So as it so happens, we were due to, the company was due to have, it was our launch just last week and we were due to have an event with a global healthcare, a global health service um, on Friday, which was cancelled because of COVID-19. And then it turns out the open source ventilator became our launch project as it kind of just so happened to be. So basically, open source ventilator started when I joined some of the open source hardware groups that were set up on Facebook and um, around social media last week to try and develop intervention solutions for COVID-19. So I joined a group. We gained some traction in um, in Ireland in particular, and then a group of people just formed together to look at developing these sorts of emergency ventilator systems that could be deployed in a real kind of last-ditch effort in which people need ventilator support when there is no other standard hospital-based ventilator available. And how many people are involved in this project right now? So, like, uh, the project grew rapidly so we have over 500 people kind of that have expressed interest and volunteered their expertise and their skills but we have a core like development group that started much earlier uh, like the end of last week which is about 20 and those 20 people are just helping gather and collate um open source ideas and concepts they're working with liaising with partners and manufacturers and then they're also kind of helping to gather all of the ideas from the 500 people People in our like Slack channel and just kind of distill information down into a what we hope will be a viable emergency ventilator system. So you have healthcare providers uh, vetting this information. So we have people from all kind of fields. It's not just a group of engineers. So we have we've interacted an awful lot with frontline healthcare workers. We've had interactions and support from doctors, healthcare providers, um, you know, uh, related kind of companies that work in the healthcare space, the health research institutes. So we have everyone, right from coders and designers, right up to kind of health, like on the ground healthcare workers. So with any type of medical technology, they're, they're highly regulated. So what are some of the regulatory challenges you're dealing with? And is this something that you're looking to do just in Ireland or worldwide? 
So the idea behind the project was to develop this, these interventions as an open source solution. So we want to make all of these designs and plans available to everybody to use in a, an emergency situation, you know, when there is no other option available. We're not trying to replace standard hospital ventilators. We're not trying to develop new forms of medical ventilator. We're just trying to provide a solution that can be used in an emergency when it's either a choice between this or nothing. So regulation at this time is very, very interesting. You know, the world hasn't faced a thing like COVID-19 in a long, long time. Probably the last time was the Second World War. And when you need to adapt quite rigid regulations, and as it should be, healthcare regulations are very, very rigid. They should be. They're designed to keep people safe. But in a situation where you have a global emergency and a global pandemic, nobody really knows how these regulations are going to be applied. You know, in theory, in an emergency situation, they could be relaxed. And if they're relaxed, we'd like to have some form of solution there available. So during the development process, we're trying to develop it as rigidly as possible. We're trying to stick to, like, uh, outline medical device regulations. We're looking at uh, information tracking and quality management systems. So we're trying to do it as you would a normal medical device design project, just at a much faster rate to meet the... Uh, potential emergency requirement for them in the next couple of weeks or months. It's, it's really fascinating. So tell me, how does 3D printing work in all of this? So like, uh, my background is in 3D printing. So, you know, I, I set up a nonprofit organization a few years ago that focused on 3D printing overseas with remote distributed projects. So I had some experience in this area already. So I... As an engineer that focuses in 3D printing, it's like I know how useful it can be as a tool. So, you know, I know that you can have you will have 3D printers distributed around the world in every country, in every region, and they generally come with somebody who knows how to use them. So we identify 3D printing as a very vital element to this intervention, as in we can develop our solutions remotely because you know an awful lot nearly everyone that's contributing on our team is in some form of lockdown. So you know we can develop remotely using places like GitHub and very, very quickly iterate between design editions and files and then openly share those 3D printer files with people around the world. So people can then 3D print the components that they need. And then hopefully, if there is an emergency call for them, there will, we will be able to manufacture them in non-standard medical channels if required. Fascinating. And how quickly do you think this is all going to come together? We, there's no way to tell, really. You know, it depends on the pace of the spread of the virus and the requirements are from global health systems. So we're trying to operate on a principle of we have a number of concepts identified. So we're on the principle in the next few days, we'd like to see can we start prototyping them. And then from prototypes, we want to undergo some basic validation testing. And then we want to rapidly iterate these designs to hopefully have something as soon as we possibly can. So a timeline, we, we don't know. It depends on external need. It depends on the success of the prototype testing and the development process. But we want to start it early, so at least we have the work underway and done if an emergency requirement was to arise. Have you heard from any governments yet? So not officially, no. So we've been having interactions with a number. We've been keeping track on news and developments and everything. So we don't want to overpromise anything. So we want to test our solutions first and make sure there's a viable solution there. So we've been working an awful lot with doctors and medical practitioners 
getting their advice and input on the concepts as they currently stand. And then as the progress as the program develops and as we kind of iterate these concepts and designs, we will probably then start, we will probably have some interactions then with overseas governments to see about the potential viability of it. I see. And have you done a prototype of any of the uh, ventilators yet? So the concepts, we're only at the kind of finalizing the concept stages. So we have a, ver a couple of very rough prototypes in the works now at the minute. So just testing basic operational concepts. But over the next few days, we want to kind of try and finalize the concepts and get them, uh, get a more finalized prototype together. Okay, I got it. And any general comments about uh, innovation in a time of crisis? Because it seems like uh, people really team together and pull out their best work when things are tough out there, and this is uh, obviously a certainly uh, worrisome time for many people. Yeah, so like a, a time of crisis is some of the best time for innovation. So again, to reference like Second World War again, the amount of technology that was created for that, or the Cold War, or the space race, you know, whenever there is this larger collective drive to either solve a problem or do something new, it does kind of seem to stimulate people's innovation capacity. Now, I think this time what's different is, I think it's influenced by global lockdowns. There is lots of very, very intelligent people, like isolated in their house with nothing to do. So, you know what I mean? In this case, they have the ability and they're looking for an outlet to contribute. So I think that's why this time the open source innovation project, like, you know, concept was perfect for this. There's lots of people that want to see Corona tackled. They have the time, they have the availability, then they have the skills to do it. So anytime, you know, anytime there is a problem, innovation comes to the fore. And I think this time open innovation is what has come to the fore is in, to tackle Corona. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. It seems like a perfect time to display the powers of open source technology and communication. Exactly, exactly. It is the perfect time entirely. Well, I really want to take uh, thank you for taking the time to join me today. I know you have a lot of work to do with this project, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Sphera Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphera.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com. While there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.